Everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the fifth episode from Castle Rock titled Harvest. Sweet. Really super one to talk about, and we are halfway through the season so far. Um, but before we jump into our top five, a word from this week's sponsor. So are you on a health and fitness journey? Why not get paid for it? 10 women are needed who want to get paid to share their health and fitness journey on social media. You do not need to be in great shape. You just need a passion for helping others. No experience necessary. Trainings are included. You do need to be a hard worker and self-motivated. Email insideout.fitlife1 at gmail.com for more information. Oh, and I've been sharing my stories, Rima, and today I had to tell you, like, hey, we got to hold off a little bit because I got to do leg day. And I'm going to tell you oh, what, Rima, leg my day. legs hurt like a mofo. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you hear me groan, it's probably because I've moved in my seat and my booty is sore. So these workouts are doing wonders for me, I think. I'm really enjoying them still. I'm looking, at, looking forward to them. So if you're looking at trying to, like, earn some money, that's one thing that you can get from Inside Out Fit Life. But also, if you just want to get in better shape, you can uh, contact her. Uh, it's Tiffany at InsideOutFitLife1 at gmail.com. Uh, we have the information in the notes. And just kind of think or ask about some of these different programs that they have and different free uh, workout groups that they were putting together. One was starting here pretty recently. So just check it out if you're on the fence and see what it's about and uh, get your fitness journey going. Sweet. I think we could all use a little bit of that in our lives. Let's get healthy. Sweet. Well, let's jump into our top five for this week for Harvest. So I'll go ahead and kick it off this week with my number five. And I'm going to top it off on a sweet note because there's so much darkness in this show. And uh, so, you know, after after the horror of, uh, you know, the uh, massacre at Shawshank, I think we deserve a little sweetness sprinkled in. And that's uh, the relationship between Ruth and Alan. Um, I I think that that relationship we got we got a little bit more i think we've we've seen little peaks at it and we haven't had too much of them on the screen together so i really like seeing their real relationship like what you don't see that happens behind closed doors and i thought that that was super sweet and i'm glad that we had more screen time i think scott glenn and sissy spacek have amazing chemistry when they're on on screen together so um i totally get them too as a couple i really like seeing a softer side of Alan Pangborn. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's, you know, he seems kind of gruff and he, and, you know, kind of a harder edge to him, which, you know, is totally expected. I mean, he's an older fella. Um, he, he's been a sheriff for a really long time. He's seen some shit, especially in like a place like Castle oh, Rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's got so, a, a very like Clint Eastwood feel like I've got, I, yeah. I, I might've mentioned on this show before. I've got two grandpas that one reminded me of Clint Eastwood, and the other reminded me of John Wayne. Yes. And, uh, so it's just that you know, gray, kind of gruff, you know, wor- man of few words kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's intimidating, but it's great when you see the softer side of, of guys like that. 
Absolutely. He's just a big, you know, teddy bear when he's around Ruth. And you can really buy the fact that he really loves her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can see it, you know, by how upset he is when she was in the hospital later on in the episode, um, when he's talking to Henry, you know, when they're at the hospital out in the, in the waiting area, you know, like, you know, he's been in love with her for a really long time and has waited to be with her for a very long time. So I thought it was really sweet that we got to see this other side. And I really enjoyed that. I liked getting something, like I said, a little bit sweet, a little nice and soft uh, with all of the other horror and horrible evil things that are happening. It was nice to get this as well. So that's my number five. Yeah, this is actually my number five is Ruth and Alan as well. So oh, oh good. Um, you know, I again, like from the beginning of this, you thought like, well, is Alan just trying to take advantage of this woman who, you know, has Alzheimer's, who's, you know, got some issues, you know, with her memory. Mm-hmm. And I think Henry thinks that as well, because Henry probably, you know, he was picked up by Alan at a young age. And it was just always kind of like probably sketchy that he was around all the, or around enough that probably it just seemed kind of odd. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love seeing that relationship. And definitely, you know, like you said, you see the love. And I think Henry gets to see that too. Like, I think Henry's finally realizing that, you know, Alan is the only reason he's there is because he actually really, really loves Ruth. Um, yeah. So some of the things I kind of talked about that was like, you know, during the bridge uh, dedication, there was the scene where he's getting ready. And uh, I love that they're talking about uh, it, this was kind of maybe the eerie part of the, the Ruth and Alan situation in this episode. But he's talking about uh, tying the knot on the, the um, tie. Mm-hmm. And Ruth says something about like the the rabbit chases the fox or something like that, and he's like, "No, no, it's the fox chases the rabbit." And she's like, "Well, what's the difference?" And he says, "Well, one's a car- car- carnivore and the other's breakfast." <laughs> right. So I mean, that's kind of like you know, I think that has some hidden means for what is going on in this season because you know, we I don't think we really know which is which. We don't know who the carnivore is in this world. We don't know who the 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 breakfast is in this world. You know, is yes. it the Shawshank prison? Is it Henry? Is it somebody else? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and then we get, you know, a very, very cute scene right after that where, you know, he's talking about like, kind of like you get the feel that he's nervous and she says, you know, oh, well just picture me naked, (laughs) you know, which is so cute. Cause I mean, that's something like you think like, it's like, oh, we'll just picture everybody in their underwear. It's like, no, no, just picture me naked. (laughs) Right. It was really adorable. And, you know, again, to show the the love that she has, she basically tells Henry's like, well, you're going to be at that bridge dedication. And we see that there's barely a dozen people there. Um, and we get the, you know, Ruth jumping off the bridge during this and mm-hmm. really seeing Alan take that to heart. And you know, like you said, you mentioned the hospital where he was really kind of in pain over that. Yeah, that was rough uh, watching that scene. Uh, and, and and it's like how how much of that was her illness and her dementia? It seems that Alan and Henry think that they attribute what happened to her more to her dementia. I think she was like possessed in, in some way there was like something compelling her to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. She blames the, she blames the town and that dog. um, Damn dog. Nothing stays dead in this town. I know. But you know, like it's like she remembers all of the horrible things, you know, I think she's more in tune to what's going on or in that town than a lot of other people. Um, are and and I wonder how much that affects her and is affecting her and I wonder also how much she really remembers about when Henry was missing you know what happened during that time and yeah 
okay, with his dad has, and stuff. As she's talking with Alan, she kind of has a part where she talks about like forgetting your own story. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that this has happened to. You know, there's Ruth, there's Henry, there's a Shawshank prisoner. Like these are all people that have kind of forgotten parts of their story. So they're kind of working from, you know, a partial script. So they don't really know what's going on. They don't know really anything except from point A on. And some people don't even know that. Um, but a little bit of, you know, macabre in there, but a little bit of sweetness is uh, what my number five one was as well was the Allen and Ruth. I like it. I like it. So I'll jump into my four then since that was your five. And that is just short and sweet, but I think that she really stood out in this episode and that's Jackie Torrance. Ah, yes. Um, so it's really interesting. I think she's a little bit of an oddball. The fact that she goes up, she she goes to um, the uh, to Molly's realtor office, and you know she hears noises upstairs, and you know she's just like, whatever, we'll go check it out, yeah. and you know then lies on this um, air mattress, and she's just like casually lying there. She finds a knife under the pillow, and it's just like, I don't know. I she just doesn't seem to be afraid of, of too much. That's for sure. She's definitely adventurous type. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but we find out as she's, you know, uh, got her marijuana going, I'd look like in the car. <laughs> she's got, we don't know how she gets him there and how she gets clothes <laughs> on him, but she's got the kid with her and she's lighting it up in, in her car. And we find out as I, as I believe we have speculated with the last name of Torrance, that she has some sort of connection to The Shining. Um, she reveals that she is, yes, the niece of Jack Torrance. She tells the story um, of her uncle going crazy in, in a hotel, killing his family, um, or his, his wife, I should say. Um, we know uh, Danny got away. And her real name is Diane, that she changed her name to piss off her parents. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. And I like her because I feel like if I was her, that would be me. I mean, not that if I was her, but I feel like if if I'm sitting in Castle Rock, I would feel like that would so be me because she's a little dark and twisty and uh, she has a little bit of a macabre, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, humor to her because I feel like. I live in a small town, not a lot happens, and I don't think I'd be real mad if there was a serial killer running around or a crazy dog, just a, you know, a rabbit dog that was making things interesting. So I don't know. I just had to laugh at that because I thought, I totally get it. You know, uh, nothing's happening. And she's like, you know, yeah, the 80s. Um, (laughs) Wishing wishing I could be there. kind of like pissed off because she said something like a very vulgar thing for somebody. So like you hear people like dudes say like, I'd give my left nut. And she's like, I would give my left tit for something to happen here. I would honestly say, um, I can't deny, uh, having said that in some time in my <laughs> life. So as, as vulgar as that is, I have known to not be so much of a lady in my life, um, a, a few times. And I've definitely said that because yeah, guys tend to say that I've definitely said, um, would give my left tit to go back there. But yeah, it's interesting what she says. She says, okay, so then the next door neighbors got gassed in their house, just a freak accident, supposedly. Um, talking about how they all died on their sleep in Christmas Eve. The body bags were lined up right on the lawn. And she says, uh, this is before I was born. Just like everything interesting that's ever happened here. Uh, I mean, they say right what you know, but this town is so blah. I mean, people <laughs> bitch about the bad old days when there were like serial killers and psychopathic dogs, but I would give my left tit to go back there. The 80s, man. <laughs> Like, I, I yes. love like this was the like the most like in your face like uh 
Stephen King Easter eggs. You know that she yeah. hit all the main points, and she talks about the shining part, mm-hmm. finding out that she's related somehow. Yeah. Um, so I don't think she's um, really relevant to the plot, at least right now. I mean, she could be later on. We're we're only in episode five. We're only halfway through. She could be more relevant. I don't know, but I just think I you know I just think she adds a little spice to the show, and I just like her character. So I just I, I thought she was for me anyway worth mentioning because I really liked her, and I'm like. I totally feel you, man. I feel like she's the the fanboy and fangirl of everybody watching the show, like in the show. Like she was, like yeah. she's the person that they've sucked out of the uh, the viewing audience and put into this world. And be like, hey, guess what? You get to see all this stuff happening real life. Yeah, for Kinda sure. Like a video game. Exactly. Um, well, What's your number we four? Are on very good sync this week because my <gasps> number four is JT and the Shawshank Prisoner. Nice. So you kind of hit on a lot of my things. The only couple pieces I have is it was interesting that the Shawshank prisoner, the kid, built a cell in the upstairs. I don't know if you can yeah. get all that scaffolding together and built like a mini cell. Yeah, I saw that. And I think it was an onion that was on the floor or some kind of clover or something like that. Well, I have – I think I know what that was. So let me – find where this is in my notes i think which you you say that and it's it also makes me question why would molly put that in her mouth why would, yeah oh yeah good point why would you just find something there like that on the floor and then put it in your mouth i don't know so i think it was soap okay um the when molly turns around and leaves you see that little soap figure that was yes, standing on the that's bridge. That's what I was going to mention. And that was the yeah. exact same thing that Henry had yes. when he was getting picked up at home. Or Thank when he was getting you. dropped off at home. I have it in my notes too. Yes. So the little soap figure that was standing on the bridge in Molly's, um, what do you call it? The whole structure that she has for the town, the model, I guess, the town model that she used in her presentation. There was that little soap figure. So I think he carved that with that knife that she found under the bed. Uh, or under the pillow, sorry. Um, and those were like little soap shavings. And yes, also looks similar to the soap figurine that Henry had when he was found. I don't remember what episode that was, two or three, uh, whenever um, he opens his hand and you see that little figurine. So what the hell does that mean? So, I mean, it starts to bring in that somehow it looks like Henry and the kid were somehow connected. Um, in my notes a little bit later, we find out that that's even more creepy. Um <sighs> But yeah. I will save that for that number. Um, but the only other thing I'll add is, so when uh, JT is laying on the bed, and I, I don't think she goes by JT, does she? Or am I making that up? I I don't think so. I think it's just Jackie, Okay, I guess. I've, yeah. I've had her in my notes as JT, but Jackie, uh, um, so she's laying on the bed, and you know the kid shows up. Like I was expecting Molly to walk upstairs and like, those two be in bed together and like have like, this very <laughs> awkward like Forrest Gump type of thing with the kid. Well, he did show up naked. He I did, mean, yeah. We got some we got some nudie time from Bill Skarsgård. He'd look at Molly Beck, sorry I ruined your sheets. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But it didn't look like he was sleeping there anyway. Yeah, that's true. That poor uh, but, kid, I felt bad for him. You mentioned that box he was sleeping oh, in or like yeah. his makeup cell. I mean, that's all he knows. Yeah. So well, sad. Yeah, again, I'll save that for a little bit later, but is that all he knows? I mean, is it? I don't know. 
Uh, I'll be interested to hear what you say, though. <laughs> but yeah, but that was my number four was just Jackie and the Shawshank Prisoner. A lot of I my notes like is it. interesting. It's it's two characters kind of and together in this this episode, which is really really interesting. Hmm. Well, I think I know where you're going at least with some of that. I think we're probably in in pretty good sync with the rest of these as well. So we'll just get on along through our list and take this journey together. So my number three. So we seem to have this recurring theme of sounds. So again, we heard in, was it the first, second episode? Don't remember when uh, we hear Henry's dad. Can you hear it now? He says to Henry out in the woods, uh, that was the night that he disappeared. Henry was running away. The kid says the same thing to Henry when they meet for the first time when they're in the prison um, on the other side of the glass. He asks him, can you hear it now? And so now again, here we have these sounds. We get this history. I don't really understand what it means and, and what is bringing it on. What Henry is hearing, he's got some type of ringing in his ear. We see that like two years ago in 2016, he was getting examined for this and um, he he was having this ringing um, in his ears. Um, he's uh, said that he had as a teenager and then, yeah, bugged him as a teenager. And then now he's back in Castle Rock two years later and he's getting it again. And it's apparently really loud because Molly tells him, you know, it's it's so loud that you can't even hear yourself think. Mm. And it's, she's saying it's in his right ear. So it's not both, just the one. So I thought, yeah, I don't. he only had cotton in the one ear. Yeah. I so I, I wondered why it was just that one side, if that even makes a damn difference. I don't know. So just, I just think it's interesting that sounds keep playing a role throughout the series and, um, you know, what can, can the kid hear it? Like the hit, like he, maybe not the same noise, but he hears something that others cannot. So it's not just, uh, Henry that hears something. I think the kid hears something. Is it, it could be the same thing. I don't know. And then what does it mean? Uh, it's mostly questions. I'm kind of all over the place with this one. I just thought it was kind of interesting that we keep getting this constant theme of sounds coming, coming around. So I don't know. Do you have any well, thoughts on that? That's theories? really interesting. Cause like you look at Molly and she hears sounds like she basically what we mm-hmm. talked about was the shining. She has the shining is hear things. That's true. In this episode when the kid's walking around, he's hearing all these things. Yeah. So it's like he almost has the shining to an extent. I have that written down too. I think he's got it. Yeah. And so then you have Henry who maybe he is blocking his somehow because he doesn't want to have it. And so these ringings he gets every now and then is like that trying to break through and basically come to the front of his brain, but he's somehow strong enough to keep it from happening. Yes. Oh, damn it. That's good stuff. That just elaborates even more on my number three. Well, hopefully we learn a little bit more about that. So what do you have what do you have for your number three? All right. So my number three again, I'm going on my uh um trend of blank and blank. And <laughs> in this number three, it's Molly and the Shawshank prisoner. So we see Molly uh, you know, helping out here, um talking about different things with him. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how uh the kid feels wrong. Like people give off an aura or a sound. Mm-hmm. And Henry's is usually loud, but with this kid, it just feels wrong. Um, and the the other part of this I thought was kind of telling as she's talking about this. This is the first time we find out that Henry has a son. Mm, I don't know at if least, it's the first time. I think we heard it. I caught it. Okay, it was it was in another episode after he had gotten home, and uh, I think Ruth mentioned him. 
and but it was very brief. And if I mean, if you weren't like on it, you were totally going to miss it. Okay, it was a yeah. very very brief mention because yeah. this is the one she's talking like, uh, you know, your dad, you, and a son, your son who barely has a father. Mm-hmm. And that, I had to stop and rewind it because I'm like, wait a minute, I don't. I thought this guy was single. Like I didn't really put two and two together. So Molly kind of ties a lot of these things together, but mm-hmm. as the, the the big thing that I see with this is Molly and the the kid are on the roof. You know, uh, Jackie calls him, calls her, and says, "Hey, you know, something's going on." And the things that you hear, which I don't know if they're just kind of more Easter eggs or what, but you hear a dog barking continuously. You hear cars, which, and then you hear a baby. Now, yep. to me, the dog obviously would probably be like a reference to Cujo. The car may be Christine. I'm not sure what the baby would be, though. I wonder, because when the kid went into that house and the whole, yeah, that yeah. whole scene, um, and there was a baby crying during that whole scenario, I I think it was that. I don't know that because there there are some, like you said, some things that you hear, like a couple screaming. So I, I, I read it and I saw it also on, uh, because I like to watch sometimes the shows with uh, closed captioning uh, because it helps me get a little bit more. Because sometimes it's, even if I have it turned up, I can hardly hear sometimes yeah, what they're saying or they, they speak sometimes. so softly. So sometimes on my second watch, I'll watch it with closed captioning. I'm not, it's not typically what I do, but for shows I, that we um, podcast on I sometimes do just so I make sure I'm getting all the details but it was let's see couple screaming dog barking baby crying car strikes object mysterious whispering woman yeah I know real real vague there right mysterious whispering woman moaning uh, more dog barking more woman screaming this is as they're kind of going back and forth as she's as Molly is talking to him uh, talking to the kid on the roof so as yeah. she's talking to him and then you'll hear, you hear these noises again it's again and then panicked shouting flames erupting gunshot indistinct speaking and then again screaming baby crying people screaming so and then did you catch one of them uh i think it was the second to the last time you hear all of these things that like the kid is hearing molly's hearing when you hear um hey want to go see a dead body oh no i missed that did you catch that that's yeah cool. from well, stand cool by me yeah Super cool. Really great little shout out. So I don't know. I think the car, yeah, could be maybe Christine. Uh, Baby crying. I could only guess it was to that scene that we um, had in the house when when he was present. The dog barking, I think, was Cujo. Um, And then, of course, the the line from Stand By Me. The flames erupting, I think, was from the the, uh, wildfire that was happening around them. Yeah. Um, the other stuff, I don't know, because it was just like sh- a shouting and people screaming and things like that. So I'm not sure. It but sounds like def- it's just all the horror from the damn town. Yeah, yeah. Like he's kind of hearing all the evil like that's been like, yes. caught in this bubble for so many years. Yes. But this was the first time, and maybe not really the first time, but it kind of seemed like this was, as he's on that roof, like he seemed like a scared kid. Mm-hmm. And I had a twinge of like, well, maybe he's not evil. Like we've talked about that before. It seems too obvious that <sighs> this is the evil in this town. I know. But but yeah, my number three is just kind of the, it's a little bit of stuff, but it's Molly and the Shawshank prisoner, kind of their interaction in this episode. I know. Well, that's so good. I don't have a specific number. on. Well, I mean, I have one on that I'll talk a little bit about, but to talk, to go into more about what you were talking about since uh, you were mentioning Molly and the kid on the roof. And I, I'm really struggling with the fact if he's really evil as well. Just, you know, I feel like Warden Lacey maybe convinced him that he is. 
And what if he is feeling the history of all the bad things that happened in Castle Rock, which is what you just mentioned? Um, what if he's somehow absorbing it? Maybe. Mm. Maybe he's not causing it, but he's absorbing it or something, or it bounces off of him or something. Um, what if he does have the shining like Molly? Uh, you mentioned that already. And he does seem tortured somehow. Like, And he was saying he should still be in the hole. Like, he's so convinced that he's so bad. And... But he just seems so tortured. And I mean, maybe that's just an act. Maybe he just doesn't even know what he is or truly understands what he is or what he can do. Well, I guess he does kind of seem, he's t- he tells people not to touch him and he seems pretty, yeah. pretty cognizant of being careful of who to touch and, um, you know, telling people, warning people, you know, don't touch me and things like that. So he, he I, maybe, maybe that part's not true. I'm just kind of spitballing here and kind of thinking out loud about that because I'm really just struggling with all that. But I'll just since that was our number three and you talked about yours, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into my number two and that's the new kid in town. Uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> the bad things are starting to happen again in Castle Rock. It seems things have been pretty quiet. It's been pretty dormant. According to Jackie, been pretty damn boring <laughs> you know, all these years. So here we're rolling around again. We've got the shooting at the prison. We've got this crazy wildfire in the town happening next to Castle Rock, which is interesting because we got Castle Lake, Castle View, um, Castle Rock, and then um, I think they named another one that totally escapes me. Um, and apparently this fire is really weird. It's not just like some, I guess, typical wildfire that they would see because you hear a reporter say that they aren't able to contain it. Uh, he says, as the blaze continues continues to engulf more and more acres of forest, Castle County Fire Department still can't explain how it began or why traditional methods to extinguish the fire aren't working. Mm. Which, so it's almost like a, an opening – like if this is very much a religious kind of good versus evil, it's almost like hell opening up. Pretty much. Like, um, you know, it's, it's the end times or something. Mm-hmm. So so we talked a little bit about the, the scene in the house where he, he's walking into this house. Um, he hears Shirley Temple – playing on this record player and he walks into this house there's this birthday party that's happening and the mood changes pretty quickly and you can't see what happens but you can hear what's happening which is horrible um when it's so it starts out so like passive aggressive like mm-hmm. very much kind of like you think of uh um you know the overlook hotel how kind of that started and seemed right. very very similar where it just kind of gradually gets worse and worse and the whole like baby crying thing, like, oh my gosh, like is he sitting on the roof? You hear kind of all the other voices start to go away, but just the baby crying and it just cuts mm-hmm. to black. Exactly. So we know something really bad is happening because we um, are hearing, we're hearing the yelling, the mom and dad back and forth. The baby is crying. There's some stabbing um, that's happening. Uh, The mom tells uh, little Gordy, which Gordy is also the uh, kid from Stand By Me Mm. as well. The name of, of the kid Uh, or one of the kids it's uh, Will Wheaton, I believe it's played uh, Gordy. And uh, so she she's yelling at him, tells him to leave, and then the baby's crying. So I watched this a second time because I don't know. I mean, I saw it the first time when I watched. It kind of stood out, but it wasn't enough for me until I watched the second time. It looked a little outdated. Did you feel that, like, the clothes and just uh, – it was yeah. just kind of not well, that's right. That's a really good point. Because, uh, so the note I had, when he's walking out of the uh, shirt factory or Molly's place that he's staying mm-hmm. at, 
the stoplights are all blinking like they do super late at night. Right. You know, it's, you know, I mean, you've been out late at night, you know, you're coming home from the bar and the stoplights don't actually work. They just blink. Yep. It uh, happens in my small town around like eight or nine o'clock. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I've only seen it like at like <laughs> two, three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so like when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, he's out super late. And then I heard the creepy music, which I'm like, well, that's really weird. Like for somebody to play music this late at night. And then they're like, it's like happy birthday for this kid. I'm like, wow, that's really, really weird. Yeah. To be having a happy birthday for a kid that, you know, at, at like three in the morning. So if, if that's the truth, if he actually did go out super late like that, that kind of makes a lot of more sense that he was just reliving something that happened in that house. Yeah. Because the other thing is like first thing in the morning, there's no like, you know, because they had a little bit of news broadcast at the beginning. There was nothing like that. There's no mention of this event happening. Right. In this small of a town, if four people were murdered, like a family was murdered, I would think that would be like you know, first thing news. I know that's what was, was weird is because we, you know, we're hearing all about this wildfire. We're hearing all about the massacre at Shawshank, you know, all the current events that are happening in all of these news clips as you're, you know, moving from scene to scene, you're hearing about all of these things. So like you said, that, that was pointed out to me as well, thinking, well, surely if, you know, th- even if it wasn't the children, but the husband and wife had like killed each other in this rage fight or whatever that we would be hearing about it along with everything else. We're hearing all the other news that's happening um, and everyone's talking about it. So why wouldn't we have heard about this too? Um, you think that they would have at least been discovered by now or something. So I don't know. Some, I, I don't know for sure. I could be completely off. It was something that just seemed a little weird. The little boy, his clothes, his hair, uh, the the gift even would not that it's a bad gift it just seems something the kids don't get nowadays a baseball mitt yeah and no, they I even called it a, a baseball point. mitt that's so kind of it a just, good like smell test like this didn't really pass the smell test yeah it just it just it looked a little off but I could be completely weird because if it's real if it happened in real time if he if if this was happening um, in that moment and if I'm you know completely off you know then did he make this event happen is it this kid's presence that can push people, you know, say they already have, like you said, they had this passive aggressive kind of conversation happening, happening between the mom and dad just before the fight broke out. Uh, so is his presence able to just instigate and bring it out and kind of push people like he's a pusher, um, just being around, is he doing it intentionally or is it just his mere presence? Is it, can he just not even help it? Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know where to go with this. And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm supposed to know, but it kind of bothers me. I wish I could figure it out because it bugs me. Um, and I think that, you know, as, as, as much as I don't really believe he's evil just yet, like he's behind everything that's to do with Castle Rock, like he's the curse or the evil or the devil that Warden Lacey made him out to be. I think it's probably safe to say he does have some sort of evil powers. So I, I don't think know. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about him remembering. So it was brought up whenever he was getting examined when he was freed from prison and Henry was getting him checked out. And they were, you know, talking about this type of amnesia that he might have. And she's like, well, take him home. And, you know, things storm, you know, kind of start to go from there. Like these memories start to come back. And it's interesting that as he's remembering something, he happens to be in his uh, Henry's father's garage or mm, shed yeah, yeah. or whatever that building was it looked like a very nice type of garage outbuilding like a, a mother-in-law 
house kind of thing. Yeah, kind of something like that where he had like an office upstairs and a, a pullout and things like that. And he starts to remember things and he can play the piano. Thought it was just kind of interesting, one, that he's remembering things to uh, happen to be the location that he starts to remember things. And then there are some crazy theories. I don't know that I believe this. Um, or one crazy theory that I've been reading about as uh, I'm reading about this show a little bit online. Uh, about the kid being Pennywise. I know we talked about it mm. before one of our um, other episodes that we talked about the 27-year timeline, very similar to it, uh, when Pennywise comes out of hibernation every 27 years. Um, Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise in the new It, and he's cast in this show. People are really speculating that maybe this is somehow like the beginning of all of that. I don't know if I totally go for I don't think it's crazy, but... Um, mm-hmm. I don't I mean, know. If they did that, like that would be super, super ballsy. I, you know, well, it's one, interesting. Whoever owns the movie rights would be like, yeah, do this. Because this takes place in 2018, mm-hmm. which I believe is when the new movie is supposed to take place is 2018. I, well, I thought so. Yeah. Or even even if it, if, if it doesn't, like this is him coming out of hibernation, it's 2019, you know, when he actually comes to full Pennywise. Right. Um, that would, I mean, that would be one of those things that would just like blow my mind if this is basically just a prequel to the brand new uh, <laughs> it that's coming out. I know it would be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to to hear what others think, and um, I don't know. I just thought I would throw that in there because you know people are speculating that you know that's the reasoning behind of of his character and the weird happenings, and also just the similarities from both mm-hmm. stories. So, anyway thought that was interesting. I was kind of all over the place in my number two, just because I'm kind of going, it's making me think so much that I can't think straight. All my thoughts are like all just circling around in my head. So that, that I was kind of rambling a little bit. So what do you have uh, for so your so number two? For my number two, I just have Henry and the Shawshank prisoner or potentially Pennywise. Um, <laughs> it was interesting when they first uh, meet outside the prison, uh, Henry goes to shake his hand and he doesn't shake his hand. He, he, you know, ignores it. You had mentioned mm-hmm. that he kind of shows that he knows how to play the piano. Um, it was really interesting because uh, when Molly stops by and tells him about how this kid has like some kind of weird aura and all of a sudden he just shows up like standing there in the house, you know, you hear, which again, whenever you have like chimes and stuff on your house for like protection, mm-hmm. they're great, but they're also super creepy. Like there's been times at night where I've heard ours go off Ugh. and it just freaks you out because you're like, okay, well all the dogs are in bed. We're in bed. What the hell would cause that to go off? And you know, you have that here where it's like um, front door open. You know, that, like any scary movie. You nope. know, if you have that, <laughs> like you hear that at the beginning of the movie, like that's going to happen at some point in the most inconvenient, scary time. And that's what we have here. Here, front door open, and you just see the kid standing there. Creepy. Now, one, yeah, one that's cr- pretty damn creepy. But then he's like, "Hey, maybe you should stay here the night." Yeah, why not? Yeah, I've already talked about taking you to Juniper Hill, which is, you know, where mm-hmm. Henry Bowers lives. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we should take you there, uh, which I thought was a cool reference. Very um, cool. But but yeah, it, it was interesting to see these two kind of interacting face-to-face. Not a whole lot of actual talking or anything like that, but like you said, yeah, once he gets into that Henry's dad's kind of uh, man cave, he starts to remember he plays the piano and he starts kind of realizing what's going on. And we don't know what happens with Henry. 
Exactly. It was a little mysterious that yeah. one minute we have Henry and the kid in this, uh, I'm just going to keep calling it a garage because I don't know a better word. And then we get to Alan on the bridge, on his bridge, and he gets that little notification and sees the kid in the house. And of course, then that sets in motion what we see next. But it's like, well, what happened to Henry? And then how did the kid end up in the woods and things like that? You know, when the, we get that confrontation. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting and mysterious. And, you know, what did happen to him? Yeah. And this is a show that I would give, like, I don't think that's just bad editing because you could be like, well, there's a clip there that is missing. Right. But with this show, I, I think that's on purpose. Like something, uh-huh. they're not telling us something on purpose. Um, so I, I don't know what, what happened. I I don't either. And I, and I'm like you, I think that everything that we see or more to the point, things we don't see are very intentional. They're either, they either mean something or it's the, it, the writers are intentionally doing that. So I, I do think most everything that we see is intentional, not by accident. So I think you're onto something. Yep. So that was my number two is just Henry and the Shawshank Prisoner. I like that. You mentioned that he wouldn't shake Henry's hand. This was just something that I made a note of. And since you brought it up, I thought I'd go ahead and chime in about it. So he did the fist bump with um, Officer Zelensky. And we saw what happened when that happened. We saw when the prisoner that he was uh, sharing the cell with Mm -hmm. that was going to take him out. uh, We saw what happened to him when he touched the kid. And then... um, he won't shake him. He was like, he won't touch Henry. So it's like, does he see him as like an ally or a friend? Um, can he control what happens if he touches people or, or doesn't touch people? Um, I haven't seen him really touch Molly yet. Um, and yeah, I didn't or, see uh, him touch Jackie. Yeah, not at all. Cause so, he wouldn't even, she, she was trying to like, you know, puff, puff, give. And he was like, nope. He just kind of like shied away from her a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. So I just, I found that kind of interesting. And then we see, so Warden Lacey knew something about the kid because he was wearing gloves when he would touch him, but then he took his yes. glove off and he touched him. And, and I, and I think that's what brought the warden down. I think yeah, it he was knew around ex- that time. Cause he, yeah. he basically talked about like how long he'd been here. He was kind of giving them the, uh, you know, the, what the hell did I do with my life? Like, I think I did the right thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's like a, you know, it's very much kind of like a, you know, like Catholics have like a very big like thing with like priests and stuff like the Pope, like you want to touch the Pope's hand. Right. Like this is like an extremely more sinister version of that, where it's just kind of like a light touch on the face. And uh, yeah, about that time is probably when he decided to, you know, That's take when that he, drive off the cliff. Yeah. It was almost like he committed suicide before he even got in that car and went yeah. off the edge because to That's me, that call. was that was like a, a a moment that, and it's like he knew what he was doing. He consciously made that decision. So I'm just like, why did he do it? Did did I don't know? What did he expect to happen? What did he think was going to happen? Did he know? Did he need that push to do that act? Why did he have to do that? I don't know. God, there's so many so many questions, <sighs> and not enough time to get to it all. <laughs> I love how this show like makes me overthink all the time, and it's like I'm probably making up shit out of nothing. I'm making all these connections that mean absolutely nothing, but damn it, they're out there and they're in my brain, and I got to talk about them. Um, okay, so my number one, 
um, is, is we're probably right on par with this one, I feel, because we haven't talked about it yet, and that is The Showdown. Yes. At Alan the and the Shawshank Prisoner. That's my number yes. one. You got some duos in your top five. I like it. I like you got a little theme going this time. Well, I think, I mean, if you want, let's just talk about it. We'll just throw out our points and let's just talk about it. So we yeah. do get that. We kind of mentioned it already with our number two where you know, Alan gets that notification on his phone, which I think I find is so cool because Alan Pangborn to me seen and this is just a total sidebar, um, the type to not have a smartphone. Like yeah. if he had any type of cell phone at all, it'd be like them old fashioned flip phones. He's like yep. the last guy on earth that's got the flip phone, right? He's he's the guy with that technology. He'll be like, I don't know what the hell this says. It says and you look at it, like it it just says, Do you want to accept the service, you know, the terms and conditions? It's <laughs> right. telling me something. Damn devil box. Exactly. So I was surprised that he had a, had um, this smartphone and had that, which I mean, makes total sense. I don't know if he had it prior to, to them getting that little alarm thing, but you know, Henry's yeah. like, Oh, we'll just have the app on our smartphone. And you know, it's like, Oh, does he have a smartphone? Oh God. Like when he <laughs> anyway. first walks in and you hear front door open, he's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I know. Tells you everything you need to know about Alan Pangborn. Yeah. I love that. So that was a total sidebar. So like you said, he gets that little notification, sees the kid, and that look on his face was like, what the fuck? And it wasn't just like, who the hell is that kid? It was like a look of recognition. Yeah. Right. So we do find out, uh, we, we get the kid. He's walking in the woods, which again is the question, what the hell happened to Henry? Well, yeah, because he went from the garage to the house without Henry mm-hmm. back into the woods. So yeah, there's like a... 20 minute window that we don't know what happened. I know. So we don't know why he's out there wandering around in the woods. Where was he going? Alan apparently knew where he was because he finds him and, and confronts him. So we do find out which we kind of already knew because Alan Paymore did talk to the current, the new warden about Warden Lacey and how he pulled him over uh, all those years ago and told him about a boy that he thought was the devil and he was, you know, imprisoning him. So he took him at his word. He let him go. Um, But we do find out again, he admits again that he was complicit in what Warden Lacey did and he let him go and he let him imprison that boy in Shawshank all those years ago. And he opens the trunk and do you think it was on purpose we didn't see what was in the trunk, that we didn't actually see him in the trunk? Yeah, there's something there. So the, the part that I thought was very, very like, oh, my gosh, is when he's he's there and he is talking to the, the prisoner and he's got got, his, got the gun on him. He's not letting mm-hmm. him out of his sights, telling us about the story. Like, you know, he's like, you know, I've I've questioned this for so long and I'm an old man now. I've aged. And he's like, and you have not aged one day. It's yes. been 27 years, and you look exactly the same. Yes. So, yeah, like, if you open it up, it'd probably be like a twisted and crumpled up Pennywise. That's what it is. Like, <laughs> you know, from it, like, he Him went down the clown drain, get up. <laughs> and he, you know, like, was flushed down into this, and that's where, uh, you know, the warden found him. Is like, oh, God, clowns, great. I got a party coming up, and then, the, you know, it's not a clown. It's Pennywise. And Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, but I mean, and he asked the question. He's like, "Are you the devil?" And th- this was the really the first time we're seeing this prisoner, this kid, like actually kind of converse. And he says, "No." Mm-hmm. And it, and like I don't sense that there's a lie there. It's just like, no, I'm I'm not the devil. We don't know I what know. he is. I know. And we end on, you know, it's like, well, I can help her. And then he's like, "You you have no idea what's happening here, do you?" So Alan Pangborn's the one guy we think has at least some idea of what's happening. And the prisoner, the kid knows like, yeah, you you are out of your element. You do not know what's happening here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's he's definitely just he admits that he trusted Warden Lacey because he's like, you know, I, I had to believe him that if he believes he's got the devil in his trunk and he's going to protect the town of Castle Rock, that's all Alan Pangborn wanted was that's all he strove to do is protect the town um, and all, you know, from all the bad that was happening. And so he lets him go and he admits to questioning that. You yeah. know, he's like, I question, did I do the right thing? Letting Warden Lacey take off with this boy. And it, it, it cracks me up how they keep calling him the kid, the boy, um, and how he hasn't aged at all in the 27 years. He's like, I'm an old man and you haven't aged 27 years. And it reminds me, my, one of my first thoughts in, was it episode two or three, whenever Henry and, and the kid first meet in the prison, and the kid asks Henry, how many oh, years yeah. old are you? And mm-hmm. he looks at him and says, 39. I remember thinking then, and I remember thinking at this episode too, that what if Henry said to the kid, how old are you? That if the kid had responded like 428 years old or something, I, yeah. I would not have been surprised. And so when we get this episode, when Alan says, you haven't aged a day in 27 years, um, what the hell does that mean? Um, so I yeah. don't know. Well, like you're saying, like in that interaction too, like I think if they said like 400 some odd years, that would be like, oh, well, this dude's crazy or, or maybe be a little bit too telling since we know what the story is. But if you just was like, oh, I'm a little older than that or yeah. more years than that kind of thing. Yeah. So we know they keep calling him because I think he, he mentioned when he was talking to the new warden in the bar, uh, he says, boy, he found, he believed the devil was this boy. Um, but I guess that's just a an old person thing. I mean, I know that I feel like anybody ten years or ten years younger or more than me, I call them all kids. I'm like, oh, you're yeah. a child, you're a kid. So I, I, you know. I wonder if that was just kind of a red herring, like we talked about before. Like, you know, you you'd probably like if you're 27, it's be like it'd be like a man or the guy. And I know uh-huh. some people call like younger people like, oh, well, that boy or that kid. Um, yeah. But that does seem kind of like a that was meant to make us think that there was a kid that was like. Uh, Henry's age that's been trapped in this thing since he was a kid. Exactly, because it was in, uh, what, 91 when Henry had disappeared and was found, and this was 91 when Warden Lacey had this boy, this kid, trapped and imprisoned him at Shawshank. Uh, so it, it it did. It made me believe that it was maybe a boy or a kid that, that would have been around Henry's age. Uh, and he Henry was 12 uh, when this happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but so I mean, that, that's what I was expecting is that in that trunk would have been a 12 year old boy. Yeah. But from the sounds of it, it was a 27 year old looking thing. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know if that was on purpose. Like I said, I think a lot of things are, are pretty intentional. Why we didn't see mm-hmm. the, the kid as we see him now trapped and bound. I mean, he, he, he was kicking. It sounded like he, he was a little muffled, like he was trying to say something, mm-hmm. but his, maybe he had something over his mouth, um, that he, he wasn't able to, um, he clearly, uh, was somehow kidnapped or something. He was not, you know, there against, um, or, or willingly. Um, so I just think it was, I have to think it was intentional why we didn't see him, but I really don't know. So it just makes me wonder. So we know Warden Lacey was in on it. We know Alan Pangborn was on it. I swear Henry Deaver's father was somehow involved. Yeah. I know he died oh, yeah. before Henry even got back and was found, but I swear he's, he somehow has to be involved in some of this. And it makes me wonder how many other old timers in this town was involved or knew about the cover up and what, what was happening in the town. Yeah, it, was, it was a good, like for end of the first half. Cause it definitely kind of like, 
sets up the second half for like we still have so many questions but this was an episode too that like I paused it for a moment to look. I'm like, wait, there's only 10 minutes left in this episode? Like, there's so much I need to know. I know. These episodes go by so damn fast. Mm-hmm. And then they end, you know, with this little cliffhanger that just makes you want more. I'm so glad. I I mean, I wouldn't watch even if we had all of them available. But, man, it, it, it kind of hurts. It hurt the second time around, too, um, to not know what the hell happened. So, I don't know. I I, phew, I just have more questions. I know yeah, nothing. I know nothing. Do you have anything else to say about your number one? No, I think that kind of tidies up my number one, too. Lots of questions, and uh, just I'm ready for Wednesday to get here. I know. I'm so excited for Wednesday to come around. And I don't know. I mean, if you're a night owl, if if there, I haven't tested it yet because I don't usually stay up that late on a weeknight because I am old and I have to work um, the next morning. But I think that um, at least what they did with Handmaid's Tale when they released it on Wednesdays, I think at Tuesday, like really late, like midnight and 10 or midnight, oh, something like that, like, uh, some weird time zone. Eastern yeah. time or something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty late. Uh, Tuesday night is when, so if you want to stay up late and watch it, um, you can always catch it then if you can't wait till Wednesday like the rest of us do. Okay. Before we hit notes, I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Sweet. Got a full view of your turtle back there behind oh, you. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are we ready to talk to some notes? Yeah, I've got a handful on here. Um, cool. So one of them, we talked a little bit about Ruth, and it seemed like she definitely had um, a feeling of something happening because mm-hmm. uh, she just basically kind of even said that, you know, something terrible is going to happen. Which, uh, again, we I don't think we know what that terrible thing is. Like, I think you could have assumed before the end of this episode that it was that family. But, like, what you alluded to is, like, well, maybe that was in the past. But maybe the terrible thing is something that's happened to Henry or potentially Alan. Yeah. Very uh, good. I don't know if it means anything, but there was two funerals at the um, 
church that day, one for Officer Zelensky and one for somebody named Potts. Mm. Um, don't know if that's anything else, but they kind of definitely scanned over to show two different uh, funerals that day. Mm, very good. Yeah, that other name just went right by me. So good pickup. Talking about Zelensky, um, as they were discussing like uh, the crazy stuff that happened at the church, the guy on the other end of the line said something about his wife having a miscarriage mm. and him going crazy. So I don't know if that's uh, a you know something of this because this uh, prison has so much pull in the county that they were going to cause a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was interesting. So we haven't heard anything about that. So I don't know if I missed something, but each time I kind of watched it, they it seemed like they were kind of alluding to that. Um, but then they're also really clear to the, the uh, new warden. It's like, there's always room under the bus for one more rogue employee. <laughs> and then my yep. last, my last note is, I guess we have exploding caskets here in Castle Rock. Uh, so I'm yeah. not really sure what, what that means. It's a very quick scene. It's just like, yeah, sorry, your dad kind of exploded. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's in my notes as well. So exploding casket syndrome. Apparently, it's a real thing. Um, so I looked it up. Thank God I didn't look at like a Google image search because <laughs> I don't think I could handle it. And um, this is kind of, I won't go into too much detail, but apparently it is a real thing. What he was saying um, is true, but it is curious why, like when he says it's, you know, curious why remains that old would be doing that. Because typically from what I was reading, it happened, it, it typically, if it does happen, it happens with like new corpses whenever, because it, so most of us do know that like when a, a, a body rots, it, it gets full of gases, it bloats. Mm-hmm. And typically when it has exposure to oxygen, it does dehydrate. But when it's trapped in these caskets and you know how they sell these really awesome, and I hopefully I don't offend like any uh, morticians out there that sell these things. Um, when they sell these airtight uh, coffins like oh it will protect your loved ones it mm-hmm. will preserve them and things like that well apparently that's a lot of what causes this exploding wow corpse to, because it's so sealed and there's no access to oxygen so that gas can't release and it can't release and so they explode oh. and it, it, it happens i think quite frequently in like mausoleums like mm. there has been scenes and in, in actual real realness where if it's not sealed tight, even the mausoleum with these coffins and caskets and you'll see this leakage like you saw mm. in this scene. Ugh. Well, it's like that it's casket they just found in Egypt that they had like the goop and stuff in it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, but it is interesting though to think of as to why a corpse or someone who's been dead 27 years, you know, why it would be happening then, because like I said, mm. it's, it's typically a, a newer corpse when still going through the decomposition stage. And you would think after 27 years, he would no longer be going through any type of decomp. So just thought that was interesting. I had to look it up and I read, there was no like super official site, but it was uh, a couple of folks that were actual morticians um, or who uh, trained morticians that actually, because I don't think everybody really wants to talk about it because nobody wants to admit that it's a thing. Yeah. Like, no, it's okay. Your, your loved one's not exploding in their casket at all. 
Yeah, and I wonder if like if uh, you know most people are underground, so they would never really know unless they dug them up. Yeah, which that's a very rare thing. It's like, oh yeah, you know those airtight caskets we've been selling for the last thirty years. Yeah, like twenty percent of them explode. Yeah, I think no they, refunds. They've heard. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> nope. Final uh, sale is all, all sales are final, right? <laughs> well, they were actually talking that some places have been caught because of these because of this happening in these airtight caskets that they will like lift the lids up for a while to let air get to the body so that that doesn't happen. And I of gotcha. course that horrifies people as well. So it's, it's, it's quite a thing and apparently not too many people want to talk about it um, for good reason. But um, I had, I had to know, I thought, is this just something for the show or is, does this exist? It exists and it's nasty. Um, so we talked already about the soap figurine, um, talked a little bit about if the kid if the kid was really evil or if the warden convinced him, um, makes me wonder if the kid is feeling the history. Like if he, is he absorbing it? Is, is it bouncing off of him? Um, what if he has a shining and he does seem tortured. It seems like when the guards were grabbing him, whenever he was on the phone with Henry in the prison, when they were, when he was behind the glass, he just seemed, you know, he just always has this tortured look on his face. Mm -hmm. But then again, he's got those damn shark eyes, those damn dead eyes at the same time that just gives you the damn willies. Um, So I don't know. I I just, I don't know quite know what to make of him just yet. Um, And I think that I've already hit because I was getting so excited earlier. I've hit the rest of my notes and that's all that I have to say about that. Good episode. I mean, I'm like I said, really good halfway episode. Like if this was a, if they split this into like a, a spring, a fall and spring season, Mm -hmm. like this would definitely have you invested for like the second half of the season coming out, like in a couple of months. I know. I wouldn't be mad about it at all. That's for sure. I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad we have five more to go. And I like that we're getting... I think that I'm so far satisfied with the information that I'm getting each episode without getting too much. I'm getting enough to keep me intrigued for the next one. But I'm getting enough information and things to keep me satisfied. Like I'm not super frustrated with not knowing. I I do want to know more, but I'm not left in a frustrated state. Mm, So I really like how they're doing it so far. They're doing a good job with the slow burn of it. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, okay, like I'm watching the same twig burn. It's just like each burn is kind of like setting other little mini fires that like you just can't look away. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's satisfying so far. I'm not, you know, unsatisfied with how it's going so far. So cannot wait until the next one. So with that being said, we have a little bit of news this week. So this first item that we have is from The Hollywood Reporter. So co-creators Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason call out the quartet of novels that are most closely associated with the thriller um, Castle Rock. Um, he said, the first one says, like an all-you-can-eat buffet, we've tried to cater to all tastes in this show, Castle Rock co-creator Sam Shaw tells The Hollywood Reporter. Part of it is we were Stephen King nerds. We arrived at the material from a place of slightly OCD obsession with some of the works that had meant a lot to us as kids. We've tried to construct a story that will be engaging and surprising and a fun ride for viewers who may not even identify themselves as Stephen King fans. He continues, I think, by the way, I think there are probably a lot of Stephen King fans who don't even realize they're Stephen King fans. They may not identify as fans of horror or genre storytelling, but who love Stand By Me or who love The Shawshank Redemption and may not even realize that those are based on novellas from Stephen. 
So it was a little bit like a video game that has different difficulty levels, although we hope none of it's difficult. We tried to construct a series that will be welcoming and accessible to a lay audience. In that vein, Sean Shaw and his I'm thinking of you, Sean. <laughs> Shaw and his co-creator Dustin Thomason have built their vision of Castle Rock on the back of King's catalog with winks and nods to the iconic writer's works littered throughout the season. For any viewer who isn't already a King disciple, but wants to catch a few of the show's clever connections to the main based novelist universe, Shaw and Thomason have drawn up a list of four essential reads designed to hook the audience deeper into the world of Castle Rock. So here is their list of four. First one is Different Seasons. So this 1982 collection of novellas contains four stories connected by, you guessed it, different seasons, including two stories that went on to become two of King's most famous film adaptations, Stand By Me, which is based on the novella The Body, and The Shawshank Redemption, based on Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Number two is The Green Mile. It's the other iconic prison and death row book, aside from Shawshank, says Shaw, and in some ways there are some aspects of the storytelling in the season that engage with and play with The Green Mile. In some ways, it's a photo negative of that story in the sense that that's a story about a prisoner who seems to be almost godlike or Christ-like in his benevolence, and there's a prisoner at the center of the story who may be something considerably more ominous. Number three, The Dead Zone. Although the story in the season is not in any way taken from the dead zone directly what it does is it's the first true castle rock story says thomason i think that there's something really interesting about seeing the way in which king first touched on this place and the way in which he set it up Number four, Needful Things. At the time of its publication, King billed this novel as the last Castle Rock story. Clearly, we know how that turned (laughs) out. (laughs) Featuring a key character that appears throughout Hulu's Castle Rock, Thomason cites the supposed last Castle Rock story, which tells the tale of a nefarious shopkeeper as his final must-read entry. Oh, super interesting. Yeah, some book club reading right there for you. Absolutely. If you haven't already read them, if you are loving Castle Rock and aren't familiar with these others, um, that's a nice little uh, note from the showrunners to help get you into it even more. All right. So we have a few Easter eggs. These come from IGN. So Castle View, although we haven't seen it yet, the town of Castle View is mentioned by radio host as one of the areas affected by the mysterious wildfire on the outskirts of Castle Rock. Stephen King fans may recognize the location from such stories as A Good Marriage, Needful Things, The Body, Lizzie's Story, and The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Mm-hmm. Lou Hadley. So the kid is about to be released into Castle Rock, but first receives helpful advice about reassembling into society by a video with a friendly host named Lou Hadley. The last Hadley who worked at Shawshank, Byron Hadley, was a notorious abusive guard who was arrested for killing a key witness in the Andy Dufresne case. Mm. Juniper Hill. If Henry Deaver can't take care of the kid, he may have to institutionalize at Juniper Hill, the same asylum where characters from It and Gerald's Game were committed. WKIT. So Jackie and the kid get high while listening to Rock Station 100.3, which hardcore Stephen King fans will recognize as the real-life main radio station, WKIT, which is owned by King himself. He is the king. That's interesting. He owns his own radio station. He does. All king, all the time. Because <laughs> why not? They should just like have someone um, play like the audiobook versions of yeah, all of his books. Yeah, just read his books the whole time. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a good idea. You know, it's a Stephen King hour where they just, you know, 
have some audio from his books. That'd be awesome. Really good stuff. I love the Easter eggs. Um, so now we have letters from Shawshank Prison, one of my favorite parts of the podcast. We get to hear from you folks. We're sorry that you're stuck in Shawshank, but we're happy you can reach us. First one is from Avelino Rashino. He says, hi, Raymond, Sean. I'm listening to your episode four review now and had a theory. What if Officer Zaleski didn't go crazy and bow to evil after all, but instead had a moment of clarity brought on by Prisoner X? Perhaps the mass murder of guards was him killing all the evil guards in the prison, the abusers and corrupt, etc., because he realized he had no legal recourse. And then he found Henry and told him he'd testify before getting killed by the evil guards. Notice he killed no prisoners. So in the end, the bloodbath was a gunslinger solution and not an evil possession. Another great and funny Strange Indeed episode. Thanks. Hmm, I like that theory. Because, yeah, I'm kind of curious why he said, I want to testify. Because it did seem kind of out of place after he killed all the people. I know. It's, at that point, I mean, I got it earlier when he talked about it, when he thought he was going to testify. And mm-hmm. Henry's like, you know, it's not going to be that type of hearing. There's no jury. It's just a judge. Um, and why did he say that? So uh, that's a really good good theory, Avellino. Something I think that we can't discount at this time, that's for sure. So our next one comes from Laura Willie Swink. So damn, I like things dark and twisted, but that scene with the kid and the Homa family having the birthday party was disturbing. Did you notice that the kid carved a soap, I think, figurine similar to the one Henry was holding when he was found? Yeah, I think we noticed. I think we did. Oh, that's so creepy. Uh, I like getting the Jackie Torrance reveal, even if it did seem a bit too obvious, though the fact that her name is actually Diane and she took her uncle's name in homage was a twist. I was really touched by Alan and Ruth's love story, and I kind of suspected that the kid doesn't age, considering he would have to had to be put in the hole as a newborn in 1991 to be the age he is now. So I have the same question as Alan Pangborn. What is he? Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he is. And and yeah, she's right, because I think in real life, um, Bill Skarsgård is only like 28. So even if you okay. tried yeah. to age him up a couple years, uh, to be stuck in a hole like that, that when Warden Lacey had him, he, he would still be tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree. Uh, I can't think of him being a little kid or a newborn in that in uh, 91. So very good thoughts, Laura. Thank you. <clears throat> Next one is from Kristen Howell. So I haven't watched the episode yet. She's traveling. Uh, But I totally binged the entire podcast on the way to and from in the car. First of all, you two are amazing. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I always enjoy your podcasting, but this is the show for you to cover, I believe. I went into this with an intense love of psychological thrillers and mysteries, not as a King fan. As a kid, I was obsessed with it, and I love The Shining, but my King knowledge extends to that and Shawshank and Green Mile, as I was never a true horror fan. Having already watched four episodes before tuning into the podcast, I absolutely loved hearing about the Easter eggs and getting the extra King universe knowledge. I think it adds so much to the story. So after hearing what you had to say, I've developed two strands of theories as a result, one from watching without the extra kingdom knowledge and one with. Oh, Kristen always has the best theories, just FYI, for anyone who hasn't heard too much from Kristen or heard her um, in other things. She always has the best. So let's get into it. 
Uh, she says, for the one without the kingdom, I have been thinking that the kid is someone who, when touched, speeds up the inevitable. For the solitary prisoner, it could be he was bound to get cancer and die. For Zaleski, uh, it was going insane on his killing spree. Further, I thought maybe the line Henry did, it was obviously of a meaning other than he killed his father. Like maybe he defeated whatever was happening and when he went missing and it was the reason Lacey needed him to come back. With the extra kingdom knowledge, Remy said something that almost made me stop my car last night. The 27 years thing from it. <laughs> How, when that's the only movie I loved as a kid, did I miss that? If evil comes back in this it form every 27 years, who's to say the casting of Skarsgård isn't completely on purpose from Pennywise in Derry to this cycle in Castle Rock. When he asks Henry, has it already started? This has to mean he knows he's back in the light because it's been the right amount of time. Maybe Lacey touched the kid and subsequently killed himself after. Maybe Pennywise comes in different forms as a whack and a mole in different towns, <laughs> bubbling up as evil in a cycle of 27 years. Maybe he has the opposite power the prisoner from the Green Mile mm. had. And instead of taking sickness away and healing others, he injects and speed, speeds up what will kill them. All I know is I'm going to read everything Stephen King has ever written as soon as possible. I've only read about six of his books, but I'm turning it up because Castle Rock may be my new favorite show until Game of Thrones comes back into my life. <laughs> you guys are killing it right now. Seriously. What you've added to my watch of the show cannot be un understated. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God, Kristen. Thank you. Great email. Yeah. Thank you very much. That means a lot. It really it do does. It does really mean a lot. That um, gets me slightly emotional. Um to, to read that so thank you so much Kristen that means a lot I love it I love your theories as always okay so we also have a couple of voicemails from this week the first one that we have is from Mark Kirkman hi Rima hi Sean uh, it's Mark Kirkman here just wanted to say hi and oh my god your podcast is awesome I love to listen to it i um, been a big fan of Stephen King since, oh my God, since I was like 13. And I'm reading all the books. Uh, oh my God. You know, Night Shift, you know, The Skeleton Crew, The Langoliers, different seasons, The Running Man, everything. Uh, when Castle Rock became such a new device for them to incorporate everything in King into this world and into a new story, which is a new show which you guys are podcasting about. I was so into it. I am still into it, and I look forward to listening to you guys more. The first episode I loved. We had Melanie Linsk. Uh, she started her career in a movie called Heavenly Creatures, and that was done by Peter Jackson. And Peter Jackson went on to do great things like Lord of the Rings and King Kong, the remake, which was awesome. And uh, having her in the show is amazing because I loved her with uh, Two and a Half Men. You know, uh, she got rid of her accent to be in Two and a Half Men, and I think she does a great American accent. The characters in this show are amazing. I'm starting to delve into the world of Castle Rock when it comes to this uh, this series. And uh, a lot of it started from Mark Bernard, uh, who is a writer who I appreciate. And he's a great writer. So I'm, I'm glad that he was part of this. Uh, I look forward to more episodes. Uh, just a little tidbit. 
the song that uh, she actually listens to when she sees Henry Deaver getting off the bus while she's driving off is called Spinal Remains by The Misfits. I look forward to more podcasts and listening to your thoughts on the actual show itself, and I will continue listening. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, thanks really, for, the phone, for the message. That that was really great, and I think he had a lot of interesting things to say. I didn't know him. I've seen Melanie Linsky in a couple things. I didn't know she had an accent. She, yeah, she's not that's American. that's interesting. It's it's crazy when you hear about some people. It's like, oh, like I know a lot of the characters from Walking Dead. It's like, oh, well, they're actually from Great Britain. I know. Never even know. The the show's uh, like the British Invasion now um, on the Walking Dead. Lots of British folks. It's a it's pretty cool that Mark Bernardin kind of got him. Uh, like he was following Mark Bernardin because I was kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And next week episode, I believe, is the one that Mark Bernardin wrote. I think so. I think someone uh, gave us that little tidbit uh, that that's the one he gets the writing credit for was episode six. Mm -hmm. So cannot wait for that one. Um, Really great voicemail, Mark. Mark is very knowledgeable in movie history. And I know uh, from experience, he's a really big Stephen King fan and um, also very knowledgeable with music. So if he says it, you can believe it to be true. That's for sure. Um, Great voicemail. So the next one that we have is from Steve Brown. Here's a thought. Maybe the kid is weird because he's been kept in a cage in a hole (laughs) for 27 years, and everybody who says they want to help him want to either dump him in an empty, abandoned house or an old shed with a dusty old piano. I don't know. Just a thought. (laughs) Anyway, hi, Rima and Sean. It's Steve, and uh, just wanted to have some uh, thoughts on the Harvest um, episode of Castle Rock. The uh, the scene with the family in the house, that was really disturbing. But was the prisoner, the kid, was he there? Did he affect what happened or did he just know it was going to happen and that's why he showed up? I don't know. Um, the ending uh, is really intriguing and I uh, with uh, Alan and the kid, the, the kid not having aged in 27 years and Alan having known about him the entire time, not just when he read that note. Um, all this uh, makes me wish there was another episode uh, to watch that I don't have to wait a week for it. But uh, anyway, can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts. Uh, bye. Very good point. I mean, it's like, yeah, if I've been locked in the same cage for 27 years and everybody's been a dick to me, I'd mm-hmm. probably be a little weird too. Yeah, I think it totally makes sense that he's a little bit weird. You know, people are like asking, you know, uh, well, I mean, we saw him create the box, recreate the box yeah. that, because it's like, that's all he's known, or at least for 27 years. We don't know what life was like for him before. And then it's like, why is he only eating Wonder Bread? Well, that's what Warden yeah. Lacey was bringing him. It's all he knows. Maybe that's just what he likes. You know, I, I, I don't know. There's so many arguments for it to go either way. And uh, I don't know. So... But really great insight from everyone. Thank you all so much for taking the time to write in. It Nothing makes me as excited about a show. Like I'm already super excited even before we started getting feedback and stuff uh, from, from people. Um, 
But what gets me really excited is when I'm excited about something and then people also share in that excitement um, because it just makes me geek out about it even more. And I love that everybody, you know, even if you're not a big Stephen King fan, um, you know, that you can enjoy the show. But when you are a big Stephen King fan, that it's something for all of us to enjoy and get, you know, our little um, Stephen King fix. And it's like a homage to Stephen King himself that we all love. So. Yeah, it's awesome seeing like the Strange D community kind of get excited for these shows and watch them <sighs> all with us. And, you know, it's like we, this is one of the shows that we've got probably just as much feedback as we did for like Black Mirror and Stranger Things. So it's mm-hmm. really cool to see everybody kind of pump for it for the show. Yeah, we've gotten lots of engagement on social media as well as the feedback, um, emails, Facebook um, Twitter, uh, everything. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much. I love talking to you guys about this stuff. So please keep it coming. I love it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for the letters and the, the, uh, voicemails. Keep them coming. All right. So next week, uh, now that we're going to be weekly again, that we're caught up, we will be reviewing the sixth episode of castle rock called filter. So Henry's son visits from Boston, a funeral stirs up unsettling memories. Oh my. Well, that's interesting. I'm I'm interested to see what Henry's son is going to bring to the story and mm. make it even more twisted than it already is. And I agree. Uh, you know, Steve and and Mark both talked about the characters in the show. It's just such a good character driven show. I it mean, really is. They're yeah. doing a really great job. Like Stephen King. You know, when you read his books, this the, the characters and and that's what we're, I'm loving about this show. So it's so great and. We're really excited for you to travel to Castle Rock with us. And while you're visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger Cast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. There's a great Women of Podcastica <laughs> podcast on that the other day, so check that out for sure. That was uh, a really great one, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, and make sure you go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. And while we're talking about podcasts, make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, like clockwork. Absolutely. You can count your um, your chickens by it. Sorry, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 51, Harvest. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Mark Kirkman is strange indeed.